Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency Program. If you're interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at dfyagencyprogram.com scale. That's dfyagencyprogram.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. Now, let's dive into today's episode. episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Narducci, and I have with me today, Chris Hervishon. Chris is the sole proprietor of his own CPA firm that provides outsourced accounting and tax preparation services to marketing and creative agencies. Before founding his firm, Chris spent 10 years working in forensic accounting, corporate accounting, and finance. He's been featured in numerous publications, including the Journal of Accountancy, Accounting Today, and the Amex Open Forum. In 2018, Chris was one of only 41 CPAs honored by the American Institute of CPAs as a member of the Leadership Academy's graduating class. And in 2019, Chris was selected as one of the CPA practice advisors, 40 under 40. Chris, those are some really impressive credentials. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I'm glad to have you here because I think accounting is one section of uh, every entrepreneur's business, not just agencies, but you know every business that probably most CEOs, like if their passion is their business, their passion is definitely not accounting. Like I have not yet met another business owner that is really passionate about their business and then also accounting unless their business is an accounting firm. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today is all you know information that really needs to be soaked up by the audience because I think if you really do lean into this stuff, then you're going to help your business so much rather than run from it. I mean, on the tax side, on you know your books, all of it. If you don't, if you run from it, it's just going to you know bite you in the ass. So I think this is all something that we all need here. <laughs> um, I'll dive in right uh, on the first question I have for you. So. Uh, I, what I really liked and wanted to talk to you about and have you on our show is the fact that you specialize in agencies, uh, which is so cool. Why did you decide to choose uh, agencies to specialize in? Good question. Uh, so it's one of those things when I started my firm, I started it from scratch and I had a coach, still have a coach, same coach. Nice. And one of the things that we talked about a lot was, well, you need a niche and you know, I came out of corporate accounting and I had had this business as a side hustle. So I was doing both of those two things simultaneously. My corporate accounting job was in healthcare. I knew I didn't really want to be in healthcare. Um, the side hustle that I have, I work with a number of different industries. So I had some broad exposure and I had a bunch of broad exposure from working in forensic accounting as well. But it's one of those things where you just rack your brain. Like, what is my niche going to be? What is my niche going to be? And it just kind yeah. of keeps at you. And uh, 
like, I think it was the second client that I got was an agency. The third client I got was an agency. And one day I was just sitting there having lunch with one of my clients, like, holy cow, this is my niche. And the reason why I picked that is twofold. One, marketers generally are pretty cool to hang out with. Okay, Um, cool. I I thought you were going to say marketers are typically really bad at numbers and finance, which is so true as well, but that that's all, that's also true. So that's an area. Well, I mean, the thing is like, we want to be helpful. Yeah. So if you can hang out with cool people and if you're filling a need that you know exists and you can be helpful, then that's good. That feels a need for us as well to be helpful. So that's a, that's a good thing. And then also like the dirty little secret is that professional services firms generally run kind of the same way from a finance perspective. Obviously there's, there are different services and different products, but they generally run the, you know, roughly the same way. So operating a CPA firm an accounting firm translates well into agencies as well. So the things that I want to try out or, you know, be the guinea pig for myself on, I can do that and then translate that into an agency from a finance perspective, not necessarily from an operations perspective, but they run very similarly. So there's some translation there as well, which is cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Honestly, I think you're one of the first or very few that have ever seen uh, CPAs that specialize in specifically agencies, uh, which it's just a testament to how you, like you said, you should niche because the second I saw that, I was like, okay, awesome. I'm going to talk to this guy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, boom, it connects with exactly what we're doing. And then agencies that find you uh, are going to instantly connect to you so much more than just your average, you know, CPA out there because they already know and have the comfort of knowing that you know their business model, right? Like they're not going right. to, you're not going to find anything new there. Uh, so they have that comfort that, you know, you're the expert for them, which, you know, is super valuable for your business, but also gives a lot of comfort for your clients too. Sure. Like if we're talking about T-shaped expertise, right? So deeper as opposed to yeah. um, broader, that's where it comes from is, is that niche, right? And then, you know, if an agency owner comes to me and says, hey, Chris, I need advice on X, it's probably not the first time that day that I've had that conversation. Yeah. Right. Whereas right. if you're specializing across like 20 different industries and I've got clients from all over the place, then it makes it much more difficult for me to actually get into your business and understand exactly what it is that you're going through and what you're asking me. So, you know, the niche always helps for sure. Very cool. Uh, And I I totally agree. What do you think uh, is the most common agency owners specifically make when managing their finances? Can I give you six? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'll give you six. Okay. Number one, in no particular order, but number one, commingling funds. Commingling funds? Commingling funds, meaning that you have blended your personal finances with your business finances. Oh, I so did that in the beginning. I totally did that. Guilty. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody. Um, Not a good idea. Highly not recommend. So that's number one. Number two, not having the right entity type. Should you be an LLC? Should you be a corp? Should you just be a sole proprietor that hangs out a shingle? How should you be taxed if you're an LLC because you get options, right? So not having the proper entity type. Not updating your books on a consistent basis and or not getting good advice or any advice at all. That's even worse. Huge. Here's one for you. Not reading your tax return. Okay. That is the number one piece of tax advice that I can give to anybody is to read your tax return. It's in English. I promise there's numbers. It's not like it'll make your eyes bleed, but like go through it. That's the best tax advice I can actually give you. 
What are you, um, I mean, besides knowing the number that you have to, like the numbers that, you know, that you need to pay, what, what other things are you looking for when you're reading your tax return? So for our clients, I always tell them, like the number one thing I can tell you is to read your tax return. When I deliver it, that's like step two. Number one is watch the video that I give you that walks through your tax return. And then number two is read the actual tax return. So that's the tax advice that I give. And here's the reason why. If you just read the tax return, you go through it, you're going to see descriptions. So line items like this is this line and then this is this amount. And if you see that and if it doesn't seem to make sense to you, what are you going to do? You're going to ask the question, which is a good thing. Asking questions of your tax preparer and saying, hey, just like, where did the, like, not that it's wrong, but where did it come from? How'd you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Where would I find it? How would I trace that back? And then have, and then, because that starts a dialogue far too often. And this is the vast majority of taxpayers. It's not just agency owners, but it's the vast majority of taxpayers. Tax preparer gives them a return, says you're either going to get this much back or you owe this much. And then that's the end of the conversation. And then they just sign, it gets filed, and then it's over and it's done. Whereas if you actually start that conversation and you understand how these things are working, then you can start to make decisions based on that information. Oh, well, last year I know that this happened and I filed this form and it was because I needed this credit or this deduction or it was because I had this type of income. Then you can start to you know, make decisions based on that information. But that's probably the best tax advice that I can give anybody is actually just read your tax return. Yeah, okay, makes a lot of sense. And actually, if you wanna go a step deeper in that, read your tax return, They've all got form numbers, all the forms that go with it. And if you want to get really nerdy, you go read the instructions to the forms. Wow. I don't know how many people are going to do that, but it is probably good nobody, sure. but <laughs> nobody, but if you really want to understand it and you want to see yeah. how things work, that's, and there's fully baked instructions to every single form and every single line in the tax return. So there's that. Yeah. So that's number four. Um, number five, when you review your financials and we hear this all the time, only reviewing the PNL. Mm. Okay. So, so if I said, how's your business doing? You would give me either a gross revenue number or you give me a net income number and that's kind of it. Okay. And what are you, and what are you looking for? P, uh, so besides the PL, I would say number one, go to the balance sheet. Okay. The balance sheet is where all the bodies go. Mm. So if you look at the balance sheet and it's like, there's negative numbers, which there never really should be unless it's a contract account, which would be like depreciation, which is nerdy accounting talk, right? But if things look weird, like, oh, there's a million dollar liability on the balance sheet. And I know that I don't have a million dollars in debt. Well, why is that? Yeah. So if I know that the off. balance sheet is wrong yeah. and I'm basing all my decisions on the P&L, the P&L has to be wrong yeah. because the balance sheet's wrong. Accounting at the end of the day, really, and how the um, financial statements are, are put together, it's really just an algebraic equation. It's, it's yeah. Not, and if you're right, if you have these numbers wrong and you're making business decisions on these numbers, then, I mean, there's major implications down the line for that. So 100%. Yeah. And yep. then you said number five. So that was, that was five. Oh, that was five. Okay. Yep. And then number six is not having the correct level of detail. Either you have too much or not enough. If you have mm -hmm. too much, it becomes very cumbersome to manage and it makes your financials prone to error. If you when don't you say have level enough, of detail, what detail where? Generally, that's going to be in the financials and generally that's going to be governed by the chart of accounts. And what the chart of accounts is, is basically the list of the buckets where you can classify transactions. Okay. So in other words, um, if you have 20 revenue accounts and you're trying to split hairs like, well, this particular segment of this service goes to this revenue account 
and you're splitting hairs on that, then it makes it very, very difficult for you or somebody else to like split those hairs when you're classifying these transactions. And oftentimes what we'll see is things get classified incorrectly. This happens a lot around um, cost of sales accounts. So the expenses that are variable with generating revenue, we see that all the time. We see these, you know, we have clients who come to us and they've got a chart of accounts that's hundreds and hundreds of accounts long. And it makes it very, very difficult to, you know, split those hairs, so to speak. So if you don't have the correct level of detail, basically you're, it, it gets confusing. Number one, it's prone to error. Um, and you're not really able to ask the questions that you're really trying to ask and get good, accurate, reliable answers back. Makes a lot of sense. I did have one question that I saved for you as you were going through that. I think number two or three, you talked about uh, having the wrong classification for your business. And you talked about, you know, the different options you have for, you know, incorporation. Mm -hmm. uh, what, which one do you recommend agencies be uh, classified as and taxed as? Okay. My recommendation would always be to talk to an attorney first. Okay, good. Yeah. Right. When you so setting up a legal entity, you should talk to your attorney. You should go through, these are my goals. This is how I'm going to operate. This is what I'm looking to do. And they'll be able to advise you because they've seen all of the horror stories of um, basically opening yourselves up to liability and what happens when you do that and things go wrong. Okay. Yeah. When everything's hunky-dory, then everything's fine, you know, but it's, it's, you want to know what happens when things go wrong. So most commonly what we see are LLCs, mm -hmm. which is a, which stands for legal liability company. And those are state level entities because they are state level entities. They are not recognized by the IRS, which is a federal entity. And so they give you the option of how you want to be taxed. Oh, okay. So that means they give you, okay, got it. So you get the option. Okay. So if you are one owner, you can be a sole proprietorship which means that you file a Schedule C, goes along with your individual tax return. If yep. you are multiple owners, you can be a partnership, which means that you're going to file a separate partnership tax return and then the, the income is going to flow to each of your respective tax returns. Mm -hmm. You can be an S-corp, so that can be one or more owners as well. That is not taxed at the entity level. That flows down to the individual level as well. And then you can be a C-corp which basically that's the only entity that of those four that is not a pass-through and it's ta you pay tax at the entity level and you also pay tax on the money that comes out as well. So there's two levels of taxation. There's a lot of planning that goes around figuring out which type of entity that you want to be. Most commonly yeah. what we see are LLCs taxed as S-Corps. Yeah, that's what I had always thought and heard and I was waiting for you to just kind of confirm that. So good, I'm kind of glad that I uh, was on the right track there, at least. I know that one of the most common is LLCs tax as S-Corps, um, which turns out generally, in many cases, to be the most beneficial tax-wise for a lot of the agency owners. Um, so we'll see, and just to kind of yeah. wrap a bow on that, we'll see three different entity types. We'll see the, we'll see the sole proprietorship for um, folks who are kind of moving out of that freelancer or just starting their agency in that stage where they're not making a ton of money because there is an, a, generally an additional expense to managing the escort. So they will be a sole prop for a while. And then at some point when they start to make enough money and generate enough revenue, they'll convert over to an escort. So that happens. Um, partnerships we'll see on occasion when there needs to be some sort of a, some sort of weird um, disbursement of revenue or, or profits. Right mm -hmm. when it's not necessarily tied to the amount that they that they own of the business, there's going to be some sort of weird division there. So the yeah. partnership will give you the most flexibility. It's not the most tax advantage or tax advantage that usually, 
Um, but that's when we'll see the partnership. It's probably, I don't know, it's less than 5% of the entities that we have. The vast majority are all S-Corps. Yeah. Okay. Um, how important is accounting and having an accounting system in place for a marketing agency? Uh, mission critical. Yeah. Is what I would say <laughs> for sure. When you bring on a new client that doesn't have any accounting in place, I'm sure you just like want to tear your hair out. It happens all the time, but I mean, I mean, that's what we're here for, right? We wouldn't have a job if, if everybody had fully baked accounting yeah. systems in place and knew how to uh, manage them, you know, day to day. Uh, what I tell people is accounting has two functions. One is compliance and that's your tax return or making sure that you're staying on top of bank covenants if you have loans and, and things like that. So that's number one. That's the non-sexy part. That's the non-fun part. It's the things that you have to do as opposed yeah. to want to do. And then the other piece of it is so that you can ask um, questions about your business and get, and get accurate, timely, and reliable responses back. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's mission critical. And then what does that mean? It differs for every agency, but having a system in place where you can ask the answers, get the, or, or ask the questions, get the answers back, absolutely critical. Because otherwise you're just going based on gut feeling and that's not, not, that's not a strategy. <laughs> no, you know, the, I remember the moment that I realized that I needed a, a, a real accounting system in place and an accountant was it was like two years into my business and you know we were starting to make real money and all the way in through my life up to that point I got money back from the government in my tax return and like I looked forward to that nice little check every time and I was like and I didn't think at all that year that anything was going to be different and I went to like TurboTax or whatever like do your own tax system. And I put in my numbers as much, the best of my ability at, you know, that I could. And it spits out that I owe tens of thousands of dollars and my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, that's wrong. That's so wrong. Let me, let me go ahead and redo this. I'm clearly doing something wrong. So I go back and redo it, spits out the same number. It's like, you owe 50 grand. I'm like, what? And like, <laughs> So I was like, not only am I not getting a check back, but I'm owing it. Like my head did like a full 180. It was, it was maddening. And then I was like, okay, I think I need to get real help now uh, because that number is crazy. And like, I need to find better deductions that I have no idea how to find. Um, and so that's when I actually brought in real help. Now I still definitely owed a ton of money that, that year. And from and ever increasing more and more money as my business has gone on since then. But you know, let me be a warning to all of you guys listening. Like, don't have that happen to you. Uh, if you're starting to generate bit money in your business, like get a CPA, get, you know, real help because, you know, you're going to end up owing. And if you didn't save for that, if you're not, you're not prepared for that, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So, you know, let my cautionary tale help everyone uh, on this. But um, from then on, you know, I've had respectable books and you know I, and a really great accountant that that helps me out every year I mean he gives me the bad news every year really like it's like you know hey you did so much better than, like he always it's hilarious he's like Tyler you did so much better this year I'm so proud of you and like I'm like I'm looking at him and I'm like I know you said that the last three years and I know the next sentence that comes after that which is you did so much better this year so you know what that means more taxes um sure. but you know it, it's a good thing right if you're paying more taxes it means your business is doing better you know, but at the same time, the, the better your business does, the more and more you become mission critical for marketing agencies. Um, exactly. It's a first class the, problem, as we call it. Yes. Yes. I mean, we want to, the, it's, it's 
crying because you're crying and being upset because you have more taxes is so dumb because the only reason you have more taxes is because you made more money. So, you know, 100%. get over it. Um, but uh, what do you consider to be like the core functions uh, and features of a proper accounting system? Okay. Um, start with the general ledger. Okay. Which would be a fancy. So like line itemed what, what you're spending on so that you can categorize it. So that would be, so that would be your chart of accounts, I think is, I think is, is probably the best way to kind of lump that, that statement into the accounting system per se. Okay. So what I mean by general ledger, um, in non-accounting speak would be like QuickBooks or okay, yeah. zero or. But QuickBooks does a whole lot of things, right? And when I think of QuickBooks, the first thing in my head is, I mean, obviously reports, you can pull PL balance sheet, like you talked about earlier, but also mm -hmm. like what we have to do as agency owners in QuickBooks, which is categorize our expenses, Correct. right? As they come in. Correct. So I was, I was guessing, is that the ledger part of it? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Core functionality of QuickBooks. You're right. You're spot on. It does a lot of things. So the core functionality of QuickBooks is it's a general ledger, which means that transactions come into it and then you classify it. And there's two sides to every transaction, right? Debits and yeah. credits. And that's the core functionality of what QuickBooks does. Apart from that, QuickBooks also does reporting, which is basically just taking those debits and credits and those transactions and then putting them into a format that makes sense for how your business actually performed. Okay, so financial reporting, general ledger. General ledger is, is the absolute positive must have for every business, have yeah. to have it. If it's, even if it's Excel, it could, be, it could be an Excel. If it's like totally rudimentary, you could theoretically do it on a napkin, don't recommend. Oh um, <laughs> QuickBooks, Zero. those are the two big players. After that, you've got FreshBooks. Fresh, FreshBooks is, is, has an enormous user base. The general ledgers, eh, um, it's getting there though, but it started out as a um, invoicing platform, which most of, of your listeners probably know it as. Same thing with Wave. So those two, FreshBooks and Wave basically started as invoicing platforms, which is great because they're free and you need to have invoicing. Mm -hmm. um, but they're getting into the general ledger game. So those are probably the four biggest players, QuickBooks, Xero, FreshBooks, Wave, or at least the ones that we see, okay? So you need a general ledger, you need an invoicing platform or system or some way to collect money. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, you could even do that with like a Word doc invoice and then send that out and then somebody mails you a check. I don't recommend that. Oh, I God, recommend yeah. electronic payments as much as humanly oh. possible. Oh God, yeah. Okay, but um, so invoicing, Financial reporting, that's going to be on the back of your general ledger. Bill pay, maybe, maybe not. So if you have invoices that are coming in, bills to you that you need to pay, you need to pay a vendor, you need to pay a contractor, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, maybe you have that, maybe you don't. We have agency clients who everything runs through like either ACH or runs through like an automated um, credit card charge or something like that. Yeah, I was just thinking like all, all my contractors, they send me their own invoice, which comes from a multitude of their own invoicing platforms. And then I pay that with a business credit card, which then, you know, keeps a full ledger within the business credit card statement. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if you, if you have vendors where you can't pay them with a credit card or you can't pay them with like some sort of an automated ACH. Fire then you, yeah, then you, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. Or if you have a large enough agency where you've got some sort of a complicated approval process yeah. where that, you know, maybe the, um, the bill comes into an AE and then it has to get routed and then eventually it makes it to the owner or the accountant or whatever to get paid. You have some sort of an approval process, then you need a bill pay system for sure. 
Yeah. So, and I do recommend that for agencies of a certain size, um, for sure. Payroll, if you're going to pay people or and or pay yourself, you need a payroll system. An expense management system, we're seeing less and less of this. Um, but if you've got expense reports that are being generated and then you need to re either reimburse uh, employees or if you need to just track where that spend is going, then maybe an expense management system. And then some sort of a processor, I would say, um, as far as how you're getting collecting funds and getting paid and things like that. And that probably goes through your general ledger, but maybe it doesn't. Like if you have got a, a Stripe or, or if you're using Stripe or Square, or, yeah. um, PayPal or hope, hopefully not Venmo, but uh, <laughs> maybe you are. No, yeah. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah, then like I try to warn agency owners to stay away from taking money on Venmo. Don't take money on Zelle. Like these are, no. more, these are more personal, like one-to-one. Uh, and they're also, to my knowledge, they're not reported to the IRS, which makes your life even harder. Like if you're if you're using Square or whatever, they produce uh, a 1099K form at the end of the year, which automatically you know makes it a lot easier for accountants to know how much money was processed there. Every time you take a payment from Venmo or Zelle, you have to manually make sure that that is sent over to your accountant so that 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 income is you know registered because it's still taxable. Yeah, it's still taxable and it's easy to forget about those payments. So you can't forget about those payments come tax time because if you get audited, that's going to come back and bite you again. So, right. you know, it's much easier to keep your payment system in, you know, a big platform that's already going to be reporting to the IRS. It's just much easier right. for you. If you do have to use a, a you know, a different payment system other than, you know, uh, Square or Stripe or something like that, I recommend using PayPal because PayPal does also report. Um, because they have invoicing and everything there as well too. So um, that's something to keep in mind. Um, one, one thing I skipped over too, actually two things, and I would lump them into this category in the, in the question as well, your bank account and your credit card account. And mm. choosing those and being intentional about those is really, really important, especially if it's not just you doing the bookkeeping. If you're going to be utilizing an accountant, like if you ask my team, the number one problem they would, say with doing their job is access to check images access to bank statements access to credit card statements and not every bank plays nice and some not every bank plays nice with their bank feeds either so having a system in place and whoever's going to be doing your accounting make sure that you're reaching out to them and saying hey what do you recommend what would make your job easier because ultimately if you're working together then you're going to get better information better reporting, it's going to be more timely. So the bank and the credit card are important there too. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just a humble agency owner. I'm not an accountant. So this is an official financial advice, but just in my own experience, um, what, you know, what is more, a little bit more difficult are small local banks there that are less online, they're more in person and they're for maybe an older generation. You're going to have more problems getting easy, quick, online documents from those banks. If you're dealing with a Chase, a Bank of America, um, highly recommend Capital One. They're super online. I mean, most of their operations are all online. So you can get, you know, all of your document statements very quickly from even the app. Um, I've been using, I've been with Capital One for quite a while and I absolutely love them. They're very great on customer service and everything's super digital. So those types of accounts. And I know you didn't say this yet, but I'm sure that you recommend that your clients have business bank accounts and then personal bank accounts 
separate when you're taking in revenue and it's going into your personal bank account that again is kind of goes back to what he was talking about earlier as mixing your personal and your business all together in funds and it becomes very sticky come tax time uh, and it becomes, sure. it's a lot easier to have your business checking business savings personal checking personal savings and then you know when you get to a certain level of income you know do you recommend i mean my accountant recommended it to me a while ago and i've been on this for many many years now but paying yourself um a paycheck from your business and not just like taking what you need from the from the business bank account pot whenever you need it um that way it's just all you know here's your paycheck here's what you made personally as a ceo here's what your business made and it just becomes a lot easier on your end uh do you recommend that as well so if you're an s corp you have to yeah Okay. Or, or a C corp, you have to take a reasonable comp and yep. figuring out what what your your reasonable comp is. I mean, that's a that's another process altogether, which is probably beyond the scope of of this podcast. But yeah, you have to. And even if you're a sole prop, you know that's just good cash flow, good good money management. Take a distribution of some amount that your business can support, and then push that, and then leave the rest of it in the business, so to speak. Even though you're going to be taxed on it regardless leave it in the business so you have some operating capital. And so just to have that kind of mental barrier of this is business, this is personal, this is to operate the business, this is to feed my family and just having that mental barrier even is a good thing. Yep, 100%. Um, how does an agency owner know, this is, this is something I really wanna know, how does an agency owner know how much cash their agency should have on hand and any month? Great question. Uh, two parts to that answer. Number one is forecasting. Cash flow forecasting is super important. I've got this much cash in the bank. I know that over the next 90 days, 180 days, whatever it's going to be, generally we go out 90 days. This is what I'm planning on paying. So that's money out. And then this is what I'm planning on receiving money in. So cash flow is, is and there's actually a little sign behind me. Cash flow is no, no more complicated than that. Money out minus, or, or money in minus money out. That's cash yep. flow. So I know that I have this much. I know what's going out. I know what's coming in. I forecasted it. I've set expectations. And I know that on this day or in this month or at some point in the future, I'm going to have a problem. And then you can start to adjust, right? I need to defer this expense or I need to not have this expense or I need to go out and I need to be marketing myself and marketing my agency. I need to bring in more revenue. But also I know if I bring in X amount of revenue, that means I'm gonna collect it at some point in the future, probably, maybe, depending on what your revenue model is, right? So you have to factor that in as well. So that kind of, that will help to point out problems before they actually become problems. That's number one. Then number two is having a cash reserve. We recommend somewhere between two and six months of your three month trailing fixed expense average. So fixed expenses are expenses that you know that you're gonna have every single month, right? So you have to um, have that Zoom subscription. Um, right. You have to be paying for Pipedrive or you have to be paying for HubSpot or you have to be paying for G Suite or whatever it is. You know that these things yeah. are fixed. You need these things to operate the business. So you can anticipate them. We recommend trailing three months because if you're scaling, if you're becoming larger, if you have more subscriptions or you have more payroll, then it kind of takes into that account that trend. So that's where we start. And then we take a multiple of that. And how do we get there? Well, we've got like an eight question test. You can see it on our website if you want um, it's cash reserve calculator, but we have basically a question test. You rate these questions one to five. And then that kind of tells you, well, we need three months of cash. We need four months of cash. But the nuts and bolts of it are, 
is your revenue growing? If your revenue is growing, then you need less cash. How are you collecting AR? If you're really good at collecting AR, if you have no AR, meaning accounts receivable, meaning you have invoices that are hanging out there that customers are waiting to pay, then you need less cash. Um, if you don't have investment needs, you don't need to be buying laptops for new employees, or you don't need to be hiring new people, then you need less cash. Um, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole host of items, and you can tailor that to you. But basically, if you have investment, you need to be building that cash reserve or a needed cash investment or increasing expenses. And then the opposite is also true. Nice. Yeah, I think it's something, you know, I know I did in the beginning, I don't anymore. Uh, but I did in the beginning of just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants and like, hoping that we brought in enough money to cover the expenses and then make profit. I mean, like it just in the beginning of business, like it's chaotic like that. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, agency owners that are just starting out or in their first few years listening can relate to that chaos, but, you know, take it uh, from Chris and myself that, you know, getting these forecasts and getting these numbers in place are going to not only make your current month just more, less, less stressful and, and more comfort knowing what track you're on, but it'll also make each of the months in the future just more predictable um, and you'll know more like which levers to pull to to grow and you'll know like if you're in a danger zone where you're not actually on track to make more money before you actually do the number at the end of the month and go oh great I didn't make any money uh, yep. so it, it, it's super important stuff here yep. um, when you're looking at a profit and loss statement and I actually have a ton more questions for you so we got to probably move a little bit faster but okay. when we're looking at a profit and loss statement where should an agency owner look if they want to become more profitable? And I'm honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to become more profitable. So uh, assuming that, where do we look in the PL to make that happen? Okay. The really, really easy, easy answer, not the right answer, but the easy answer is revenue top line. Okay. So more revenue and more profit. That's, that's easy equation. If you want to take that a step further, you look at margins. You look at your gross margin, you look at your net margin. The way to get to gross margin, you take your cost of sales or like QuickBooks labels like cost of goods. And then you take that and you divide it into your revenue and it'll give you a margin. So in other words, if I know that after every dollar of revenue that I generate, I'm going to have 85 cents left over after I pay like variable expenses. A great example of that is subcontractors who do your work, mm -hmm. right? So I've got 85 cents left. The 85 cents that's left and that's just, I'm just throwing out a number is for fixed expenses. So those are those software subscriptions that don't change every month. And that's for the payroll. It doesn't change every month. And then whatever is left after that, that's your net margin. And that's a percentage as well. So the net income divided into the revenue, that's a net margin percentage. And then that's what's left that you can do with it as you please, um, yeah. theoretically. So long as you're running a good and proper business. So that's the next level of that answer. And then the final level of that answer, what I would do is, run a um, common size PL. What a common size means is that you take everything on that PL as a percentage of revenue. And then that'll tell you exactly where your, your, your money's going. So you'll know that out of that dollar of revenue, I spent 25 cents on software subscriptions or out of that dollar of revenue, I spent 40 cents on payroll. And then you can start to pull those levers. If you want to take that a step further, you can do what I call a 555 analysis. So if you're old enough to remember the old Domino's pizza thing where you get five pizzas for five bucks each, yeah, yeah. Same, same deal. So what happens if you increase revenue by 5%, you decrease COGS by 5%, the cost of sales by 5%, and then if you decrease fixed expenses by 
what you're going to end up with is a really large number as far as what you have increased your net income by without actually generating any more revenue. Yeah. Now, does that mean that you have to go and increase revenue by five or by, by increasing revenue? Does that mean that you have to go increase revenue by 5% or decrease these other expenses by 5%? No. Start with 2%, start with 1% or whatever. But that'll show you if I pull these levers in these specific areas, then this is how I'm going to be more profitable without necessarily yeah. more effort. I mean, you can increase revenue by 5% just, just by increasing prices by 5%. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need more clients. True. I think one way to make this more tactical for agency owners, just from my own experience, is if you have contractors, and most of us start off with contractors for a good period of, of you know, our beginning years of our growth, and let's say those contractors are charging you 50% of your top line price. Um, let's say you know you have a $3,000 retainer, the contractor costs $1,500 to, to handle that client. If you get another client at $3,000 and they charge again and the other $1,500, your margin there stays the same and really you didn't make a whole lot more profit. Um, so what you can, uh, or your margin didn't increase at all, right? So um, what you can do at a certain point in your growth is transition over to uh, either full-time employees or uh, contractors that work on a fixed cost meaning no matter how, you know, it, up to a certain amount of, you know, clients that they're managing, their, their fee remains the same. If you dip down or if you go up, their fee will remain the same and, and fixed. And once you have a fixed cost on your contractor or your fulfillment side, whether that's through, you know, a fixed cost contractor or a full-time employee, now you're going to be able to scale and make more money a lot more profitably. Now they'll have their limits, of course. And then of course you'll have to bring in another employee at that point, but that's kind of the tipping scale in being able to take it to the next level and scaling a marketing agency specifically in many cases. Um, because if you stay with that fixed cost per project every single time, uh, then at a certain point that'll start eating away a lot of the profits. So um, just something to look at like a real tactical lever inside the business to help, you know, with what Chris is talking about right now. Chris, should you expect a CPA to provide an ROI for your business? Yes, for sure. But it is difficult to quantify. You can quantify <laughs> it from a tax savings perspective. That's easy. That's the first place my head went. I mean, if you save me more taxes than I could have done on TurboTax myself, that's really clear ROI right there. Yeah. On the tax side, it's easy. On the virtual CFO outsourced accounting side, it's much more difficult. Like what we say is we help agency owners make good decisions before they make bad ones. Yeah. So what is the cost of that bad decision? It's hard to know because it's a theoretical, right? So the ROI should definitely be there for sure. It's easier on the tax side, but quantifying it's difficult. Yeah. How do you know if you have a good CPA? What do you look for? One thing I would look for is some sort of a subscription-based model. So in other words, when you pick up the phone and call them and talk to them for six minutes, are you getting a bill for a tenth of an hour? That's one. Number two, uh, the that's quality. bad or that's good. That's a bad thing. So subscription-based okay. model, basically you have access to somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So when you pick up the phone, it's not going to necessarily cost you anymore. And you're getting that touch point. So you're not afraid to ask the question that you really should be asking or having the conversation that you should be having. Okay. So that's one. I would look for some sort of a model like that. Um, number two, quality of staff. And you can find that just by LinkedIn. Like who, who is actually working on their staff? Are they experienced accountants? Are they CPAs? Do they have degrees? Um, where are they located? That sort of thing. Um, number three, communication. Is it proactive and is it consistent? What is their model? How often are they going to meet with you? 
What is their tech stack? What are they experienced in? Does that align with your tech stack or not? Are you willing to change to their tech stack so that you guys can work together better? It's a good question. Um, and then finally, do they have experience in your industry? That's one of the biggest things I hear all the time is that I've got an accountant, I've got a CPA, but they don't really know how we operate or understand how we operate. And it's, you know, it's not as helpful as it should be. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, so what, what do you, what tax preparation service or like, I guess, uh, accounting platform like QuickBooks and, you know, Wave you talked about earlier, which one do you find to be the easiest to deal with? Uh, and which would you prefer that your agencies have? Right. So all of our clients run QuickBooks online. Okay. The reason being for that, it's the largest platform by a large margin. Uh, it's very commonly used. So if you need to get help from somebody else who's not us, then you can, you can go find help. It's not like a super specialized thing where if you leave us, then it's, you know, you're never going to be able to get help or, um, you know, that sort of thing. So, and it's got the best ecosystem, which is really what I look for. I want the best ecosystem, which basically means, can I connect all of these various different apps to QuickBooks? And generally the answer is yes. So we built an ecosystem that we think works really, really well for the information that we're trying to get out of it for our agency owners and QuickBooks fits that bill pretty good for us. Yeah. I've been with QuickBooks since I, you know, had that moment where I was like, okay, God, I got to clean this up. Yeah. Um, and you know, what I will say about it as like a business owner dealing with it is I, I, it works really well, but it is such a massive, massive software that if you're going in there as an agency owner, who's never been in there before, um, the learning curve is pretty steep. Uh, so having someone like Chris or an accountant is just, you know, really helpful. Um, and even like experienced accountants still run into things where they're like, I don't know why it, why it sorted that this way. I don't know why it, you know, it, it's not adding up here, uh, because it's just such a, a complex, uh, software. Do you find their support to be good to help with those issues? <laughs> it's it's tricky right it's just because it's it's so massive i think it's one of those platforms where it's like you should be on it because it's the most used but at the same time like it's so complex that like even yeah. experienced people are still like stubbing their toe every now and then right like if you really want to at the very very beginning if you really really want to diy it that's why i recommend quickbooks is because there is a forum there are a billion youtube videos out there about how to use quickbooks you can go find courses about how to use quickbooks like pretty much every accountant ever has touched QuickBooks at some yeah. period of time and can like guide you through it at at least an absolutely rudimentary level. So you can, it's the easiest platform to get help on yeah, for sure. Um, so just having access to support really, it, that's the best one. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, what are some of the, this, this question is huge. Like if you probably, if I had to look at all of our questions here that I want to ask you today, this one's probably the most valuable. So if you're listening, like pull over, stop the car, uh, <laughs> what, what is some of the biggest ways that agency owners can save on their taxes each year? Cause that's, that's what we all want to do. The biggest way is the choosing the correct entity. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you, if you're misclassified from the beginning, then, you know count yourself out because yep. you could be uh, way off. Okay. Let's assume that you chose the correct entity. What's another way uh, that you can make sure that you're going to, you know, save uh, on taxes? 
Okay, so let's just assume that you chose the correct entity. Let's just assume that that's an S-corp. Yeah. Making sure that your reasonable comp is correct. Oh, so not paying yourself too little. Don't pay yourself too little. Don't pay yourself too much. More than you have to. The incentive- and This is what I hate about the IRS and taxes. It's like, we're not going to tell you what you need to pay yourself. You figure that out. But if it's too much or too little, we're coming after you, right? It's the same thing with taxes. Exactly. You tell us what we what you owe. And if you're wrong, we're coming after you, even though we know what you owe. Like, ah, this yep. is why you exist, honestly. <laughs> why yep. CPA businesses exist. It's maddening. So exactly. like- is there a formula out there to figure out how much you should pay yourself? Right. So the IRS does not have a fully baked formula, but they have guidelines as far as the things that you should consider. Okay. There are software platforms out there which have like formulas and the way that we do it, we use a software. We go through basically, we, and we have a conversation with an agency owner. We'll say like, what do you do in the agency? What are your functions? How much time do you spend on those functions? What is your proficiency in those functions? And then we take that data, we layer it on top of BLS data, so Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they'll tell you, this is what you would pay for that function in your locale. And then when you add all of those dollars up, basically what you get is your salary. And then there's ways that you can play around with that too, um, as far as arriving at your reasonable comp for the year. But that's the number that you're trying to get to on your W-2, basically. Yeah. Uh, but making sure that that number isn't too big because the um, incentive for an agency owner is to have reasonable comp be lower, but yeah. making sure that it's not too low where the IRS comes back and reclassifies your distributions and says, well, these are actually wages and here's a big tax bill. Like that's right. That, that's a problem. So if entity, it's too low, you're going to get, you could get audited, which that would be a nightmare. And then if it's too high, then you're, you have to pay tax when you pay yourself the right way through, uh, you know, payroll. I, when I learned this, oh my God, my head did another one of those 180s. When I saw my first, very first payroll, like from Sobe Viral LLC to Tyler Narducci, I, I knew how much I paid myself, like as the business. And then I knew how much hit my, my personal bank account over from the business. And it was so different. Like they take out, you know, your personal taxes, all, Tyler pays taxes. And then Sobe Viral paid taxes before he paid Tyler. And I'm like, what? That shouldn't even be a thing. Like if I'm paying myself, I should pay one time. Like either the business pays or Tyler pays, but nope, the business owner pays and uh, the business pays, which is just like maddening. Uh, yeah. So if you pay yourself too much, those percentages that you're you know, you're paying in taxes from both ends are going to be, be bigger. So again, it's just like, there's so many like convoluted little things that to, the, to watch out for. It makes honestly what you do just that much more valuable uh, mm -hmm. for us. The third um, thing there too is to have a, before you do something, especially like a large transaction, talk to your accountant before you do it, not after you do it. We don't want to learn about it a year later after it's already done. We don't want to learn about it after year end, but have that conversation up front. Like that's the biggest thing. So that's not a tax savings per se, but that's a tax avoidance is having that conversation and structuring things the way that they should be structured so that you get the benefit that you want or the result that you want, but pay as little taxes as, as you need to. Yep. Huge. Um, in terms of financial software that you recommend, is it just QuickBooks or is there any other? So from a GL perspective, it's QuickBooks. From a payroll perspective, it is Gusto. Oh, so you don't recommend using your payroll just through QuickBooks? I do not. Ooh, okay. All of, our, all of our clients, with the exception of one, are on Gusto. Okay. From a bill pay perspective, it's Melio, M-E-L-I-O. Um, bank is Relay. 
credit card is either uh, Chase or Amex. Expense management would be Expensify. And I don't think I'm leaving any off. Wow. Right. What I what I note there, honestly, isn't the, the companies that you chose because they're all good companies. What I note there is that you didn't, QuickBooks does so many of those things that you just listed off and you chose other companies to do it instead of QuickBooks, even though QuickBooks would be the main accounting software. So it's it kind of tells me that like while QuickBooks is kind of the king in accounting software, they're not uh, the master of all trades. They may be like good at one thing and just because they offer these other things may not be the best of those specific things. Oh, right. And the one I left off there would be time tracking. And for that, it's Harvest. So QuickBooks has QuickBooks Time, which was formerly known as T-Sheets. You know, that's that's been a tricky integration, especially from what we've seen. So Harvest is probably our go-to there. But, you know, our strategy is more about best in class while maintaining some level of connectivity. Because one of the things that we're good at is connecting all of that data to kind of get to reporting. Mm -hmm. um, so we're more about best in class tools that are easy to use as opposed to just have, having everything under one brand name, so to speak. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, crypto has gotten really big in the last few years. Considering the tax implications of crypto as a business owner, do you think it's a good or a bad idea for agencies to accept payments in cryptocurrency? Really, really bad idea. Yeah. Really, really bad. Briefly, it, why? Okay. Um, so one of the things is the volatility in the crypto market. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's enormous, right? So when someone pays about, you in Bitcoin and it happens to drop before you cash it out, then yeah, you lost. Yeah. It. So like what would happen if that volatility causes you to miss payroll tomorrow? Yeah. It's possible. Okay. I mean, it's possible. Like, is it likely? I don't know, but it's totally possible. But having something that's that volatile, that is your sole source of monetary store, I would hard no, absolutely positively not. So there's that, number one. Number two, accounting for that would be an absolute nightmare, which means it's going to be really, really expensive, either for you to do it, for somebody to fix it, or for somebody else to do it. Yeah. Huge, huge hugely expensive. Because the other piece you have to pay tax on the gain of that coin. Like coins don't ever just stay the exact same at all time. Like they're constantly moving. And just the time it takes you to receive that coin to sell it, whatever movement it made in that short period of time, you're taxed on that. Uh, that I mean, you may actually have a little bit of a write-off if it went down, but if it went up at all, you're, you're taxed on that, that gain right before you cash it out. And so it just becomes pretty convoluted. Sure. So hugely, hugely volatile, right? So I pay, so Tyler, I pay you a hundred dollars right now for a service that you provided to me. Yeah. I pay you and it's dinner time. You're hungry. You go order a pizza. You pay for that pizza in Bitcoin. 30 minutes from now, you could have triggered, triggered a capital gain in that 30 minutes because it's so yes. volatile or a loss to, to your point. Now, accounting for that is, is a nightmare, which means it's going to be expensive to do. Your tax return is going to be really, really expensive too, because it's going to take an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of expertise to put that together. So there's going to be a huge cost that goes, goes with that whole ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and that's those are just the accounting things going beyond that. I mean, there's a whole host of other concerns that I would say make it a, a very, very bad idea. Yeah. Uh, from my experience with this, like if you're an agency owner and you're considering taking cryptocurrency, 
uh, take his advice. Don't, it becomes a big nightmare for your accountant and, and, you know, even the value that you could possibly lose in that short period of time. But if you absolutely have to 100%, like the client isn't going to buy unless you do it right. Like they're a total crypto freak. I've been there before have dealt with the situation. Um, what I would recommend to you and please, Chris, if you have a, feel free to correct me, but, um, I recommend that you make them sell their coin into at least USDC, which is US dollar uh, coin, which is a, what's considered a stable coin, which doesn't jump in price up or down. It matches the value of the US dollar. Um, and then if they, if they from there, then they can send that over to your crypto wallet. That way, when you do get it, you're not going to have these big jumps uh, up or down in the, in the time that it takes, this, takes you to sell it. Let's say you get like 15 grand in USDC, most um, you know exchanges like Binance and um, Coinbase, they're not even going to let you cash out all 15 grand at one time. You're going to have to do it in chunks and waves because that's their, their platform, right? So you need to have some type of stable coin there so it's not jumping in value and, and appreciating and depreciating just in the forced time that it takes to actually cash that out. So that would be, if you absolutely have to, that, that's what I would recommend. But other than that, just try and get it in regular dollars, have them, you know, tell them, yes, you accept it, but they need to sell it first and then send it over to you basically uh, would be my recommendation. Um, Chris, zooming out a bit, what do you think agencies can do overall to just become more profitable? Revenue models would be one, how you're billing, um, when you're billing, what you're billing for. Um, subscription-based revenue models to me are most interesting where you've, you've got that predictable cash flow, you've got that predictable revenue from month to month. Um, certainly there's, there's considerations that you need to make there. Um, being really intentional about your financials and your financial review, going through those metrics that we talked about as far as the common size financials and understanding what levers to pull, doing forecasting so you know when you need to pull those levers and how hard you need to pull them before you actually need to um, do that. That's where I would start. Yeah. Um, to add to that, I mean, this kind of just goes right along with what you're talking about with trying to forecast, you know, your revenue. One thing that I know agency owners experience a lot in their business uh, is scope creep. So you have you have a client and you have them on a flat retainer model and they keep asking for more and more and more and you keep doing it because you're a nice guy or a nice girl, uh, but that is not good on your bottom line. And the more you let that scope creep, the more that bigger scope is normalized at the price that you're charging. So, you know, my advice would just be, don't be afraid to ask for more money when they ask for more services. It's really important at the end of the day you know, a lot of us were dealing with paid ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, you know, they start asking for more creative, they want more testing done, they want more deliverables, you have to stand up for your own business and, and be confident in, you know, communicating that that's going to be a little bit, you know, more uh, cost to your client, um, you know, and those expectations are set in the beginning of the client relationship, you really have to have that clear in your agreement that this is what we're providing for this service, and then uh, more uh, will be priced at that time. It can be a very simple line in the contract, but it just needs to be set and talked about in the beginning that as scope creeps, so is going to the price tag will as well. And that's going to help you all the way with every client on the line when you're running these forecasts, um, yep. these revenue forecasts. Um, we'll see that in your margins too. 
Yeah. Right? Over time, you, you will absolutely set in your margins. And, you know, to your point, picking the right clients, because not every client is a good fit. Picking the right clients inside of the right revenue model, that will make you more profitable than probably any other thing that you can do. A hundred percent. And it's really hard if you're in the beginning of your business uh, to say <laughs> no to a client. Like I've been there and, you know, I, I made this mistake when I first started out, I took on clients that were just really, really bad fits. And I knew before I brought them on that they were really not going to be fun to work with. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to grow my business. I was really hungry at that time. And I just, uh, I took it on and you know what, like the measly retainer they're paying you, it's never worth the bad client. Like it's never worth it ever. There are other clients out there that will pay you, uh, and be just so much more pleasurable to work with and then not worth it. So if you're considering yep. that, you know, don't do it. Um, yep. as a fellow business owner, Chris, uh, I know you don't have an agency, but you have a, a CPA firm. I always uh, like to ask, what is your favorite thing about working for yourself in your own business? I would say two things. One, you determine how much money you make. It's all on you, but you know. There's no victim in entrepreneurship. No, no, you, you totally control your own destiny. That's one. But then number two, like my kids have an art show in like two hours. Middle of the day, go. Wednesday. Yeah, so I can go. Yeah. It's just as yeah. easy for you to lock off the time and you go. It for me, it always goes, it's the freedom. The freedom is worth it. Like the freedom is worth, you know, like getting paid less in the beginning. In fact, this is such a misconception. People go out on their own, they leave their nine to five and they think that they're gonna work less. Like, no, you no. work more, way more than you ever would in any nine to five. You're working on weekends, you're working late, like it's your business. So if it, it falls, it's all on you. So you end up working way more, but typically entrepreneurs are happy to trade that mm -hmm. working more for the freedom of when to work uh, and just having that. But if you, you don't, know. right, it's only for a period of time. Yeah. And then you actually work less and you make more. Correct. Uh, but if your accounting is not in line and all the numbers are not in line, you're really <laughs> not going to be able to get to that point where you make less and work more. It just, it doesn't happen without that. That's exactly right. Finally, Chris, uh, this is a question I ask uh, on all of my podcast episodes as the last one. Uh, as a CPA, what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to someone just starting out their marketing agency? Get the revenue model right and try to start with some sort of a subscription-based model. Okay. If you get can. your revenue model right, meaning get your price tag and your offer is correct for your customers or can you elaborate on that a little the price tag the offer and then how you deliver it see there's like project-based work the thing about project-based work is that it's it's the most volatile type of work you don't know when it's coming in necessarily you don't know when you're going to get paid for it and then that makes cash flow forecasting difficult it makes cash flow management very 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 difficult it makes growing the agency very difficult so that's the most difficult um, um, type the easiest type is a subscription model where you have a, and sometimes it's called a retainer model, which isn't technically a retainer model, but a subscription model where you have a client who pays you the same amount every month for a set scope of work. And there's way, there are creative ways to do this, right? Um, I know that there's a ton of your listeners out there who are probably like, that'll never work for my agency. You just need to be thinking more creative. Anything can be turned into a subscription model. If I can subscribe to a razor, then everything can be like literal razor blades, it comes every month, right? Yeah. And 
professional services can, can definitely be turned into a subscription model. When you have a subscription model and you start off that way, your cash flow is predictable, your revenue is predictable, you know when it's coming in, um, and you know exactly what uh, your, compa your capacity planning becomes predictable. So you know what you need to deliver every single month or what you probably need to deliver every single month. But I would really, really try very, very hard to start there because it'll make the rest of your business much easier to manage. Yeah, totally agree. I think, you know, if you, a lot, well, actually, we'll say this. We have a lot of listeners that also do performance-based pay. And even then, you can build in a solid subscription model. Like for example, we have a lot of people that um, in the, my done for your agency program that do performance-based pay, but there's a floor in there, right? Meaning if the client doesn't spend X amount of ads, let's say they drop their ad spend or they, you know, a, they pull a lever that prevents you from hitting your performance goals, then your fee reverts back to a flat retainer or your subscription, like you called it before. So mm -hmm. you can be very creative in the ways that you charge your clients, but having, uh, I think your point is, is really great. Having reliable income that you can forecast uh, from your clients is really, really important. If you're an agency out there listening that primarily does websites, this is a big thing for you. You usually end up on the project side, one website here, one website there, one website there. Uh, highly recommend you take Chris's advice and maybe expand your service offerings to in include ads or include traffic to that website, include lead gen, whatever it is. After you get that website and you have that great client relationship, don't just drop them, continue to help them in their marketing and other areas so that you can build more reliable income in your agency. It's, uh, you know, absolutely critical. Chris, this has been a fantastic episode. I mean, I, I hope that people uh, really listen to the whole thing and, and stuck with us, even though we're talking about accounting, because honestly, like this stuff is so much more valuable than people realize. Um, and it's going to make them so much more money at the end of the day than, you know, running from it. We all have to face it you know, so it's either lean into it uh, or it's going to come back and bite you. So you, you dropped a ton of value here. And I thank you for joining us on this episode. I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. That's going to be it for today's episode. If you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads, your team, and your sales all done for you, then apply now at dfyagencyprogram.com slash scale. That's dfyagencyprogram.com slash scale there will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. See you in the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast.